Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Deb Swineblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm really excited to be here today. We're recording this episode during Pride Month, and I don't know about you, but I'm feeling extra gay. Uh, five Prides ago, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it. And uh, it's one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. And during the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. So the format's a little bit different here. We have a special guest come and share their story, and then we talk about it. Uh, and speaking of special guests, we have a very special one today, Chloe Kozer, she, her pronouns. Hi, Chloe. Uh, hello, I'm Chloe Kozer. Uh, I'm a lady, I'm pansexual, I'm polyamorous, I'm married, I'm trans. I have a lot of reasons to be happy during Pride Month. Um, and I'll just go, go right into my, my coming out story. Yeah, please. All right, so I came out, my transversary is coming up in early August, um, and I feel like I have a odd coming out story, I, th- I think just because I was, I was so repressed. I was so repressed. So like T minus two months to coming out, um, I got hit with a sudden and severe depression, like blackout, dark depression. I've studied, I've uh, struggled with... Uh, major depressive disorder and severe ideation for my like entire life. And basically on a Tuesday, I told my wife, I was like, you need to get me in to see a doctor as soon as humanly possible. And then she gotten me an appointment for a, for a Thursday, Tuesday to Thursday. And then Wednesday I like crashed. I felt it coming mm. and I couldn't figure out why, uh, because things in my life were going, uh, pretty great like my my health was good uh my marriage is wonderful and has tended to be um i'd recently got on to uh, uh a sketch team at the ucb theater which i worked harder harder than i've worked for anything in my life to get on that team um and i i struggled with that depression for a month and then i was like i think i think i in some sort of gender fluid. I think I might be like bi gender. I think sometimes I'm male, sometimes I'm female. I came out as that. After a month um, of those 30 days, I felt female 29, and one day I fully dissociated all day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm a woman. And when I came out to my wife, she said, You told me a year ago. And wow. when she said that, I remembered it, but I was I was so repressed. Um, and grew up without like a connection to queer culture at all. Like my, my coming out post on Facebook, and I came out to everyone all at once. Uh, it was three days from when I realized I was trans to when I, when I came out. Wow. Um, but, uh, I just, I didn't have any words for it. I was born in 1983. I grew up in, uh, uh, just outside of Dallas. And then I went to high school in Indianapolis and like, I didn't meet an out trans woman until after I was out. Mm. Um, Like I had no words to describe it. I had no understanding of it. I didn't know what it meant. Um, So it was just something rampaging in my subconscious that I, there was nowhere for the thoughts to perch. Um, Like I knew, I knew I wanted to be a girl. I didn't know I already was a girl. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I also wanted to be a wizard. 
And that like mm-hmm. made as much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, oh, well, um, this life is just going to be bad. Um, and I had all sorts of thoughts. Like, I mean, of course, when you go back, when you really understand it, all of your thoughts are just like, oh, it's so obvious. Like I went mm-hmm. back and looked at my early stand-up jokes and I was like, half of these jokes are just me saying I'm a woman. <laughs> um, but like I, I've struggled with, uh, like my 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 weight and like body dysmorphia most of my life, uh, but I just remember thinking in middle school, it's like I hate being a fat boy. If I were just a fat girl, my life would be so easy. Mm. And I I knew that that was discordant somehow, um, but it turns out I was right. Mm. Uh, I don't like being <laughs> a fat girl. I have way fewer issues with my body. Like before, I would have like rather died than had my uh t-shirt off and now it's just like yeah i'm i'm very fine being naked it's <laughs> generality mm-hmm. um uh but yeah so i i came out i came out to everyone i knew at once without really any understanding of what being trans was and as far as the ucb community goes uh i was at, like far and away the most salient trans non-binary person so i was kind of like the emissary and the the whole scene wanted to understand what that was but i also didn't know yeah um and it was really hard because i didn't know how to defend myself and i didn't know what was like reasonable to ask for Mm -hmm. um and i i got gaslit a lot and it was really easy to get gaslit um or, or, or not, if not gaslit, then just like emotionally negated. Because mm-hmm. um, if if you say something that hurts someone, the easiest way out of it is if they are overreacting. Right. And you can show to them that they're overreacting because that requires no like looking inside. Mm-hmm. So it was um, it was a meat grinder, and I didn't know what was going going on. Um, but like all things considered. Like, as far as, like, coming out at 32 goes, it went so smoothly. My Like, my wife is bi. She went full dyke. She went hard dyke. <laughs> she got a Furiosa haircut. Uh, she loves being gay. Um, like, there were a couple rough conversations with family, but I, like, lost a couple shitty cousins that I didn't talk to anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost, uh, like, one friend. Um, but, like, really my life has been... It, like is as little affected as I feel like it could. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been unbelievably lucky. Um, I feel like I don't know. Has this meandered? No, this is incredible. Oh, I okay. can listen to you talking. All yeah. Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it like like I think in in part of not knowing like what my gender meant. Like I I sort of like I came out and like. Well, first I came out as trans, but then I was like, oh, I don't need to change anything. Just as long as people understand that I'm female. Then it was like, okay, I'll change. Oh, I think I think I need to change my pronouns. That, that, that'll be all I need. I'm not, I don't need to change my name. I actually liked my dead name. I think my dead name's a good name mm-hmm. and always felt very connected to it. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm going to start like, like dressing, but I'm not going to like need to wear dresses out. I'll just like wear like blouses and jeans. And then it was like, no, I'm pretty much 100% dresses or um, short shorts and crop tops or bodysuits. Um, just like some sort of like slutty warlock. Um, like some like slutty, like I feel like 
yuppie warlock. I don't know. Like, mm. like, like, I feel like, like not quite as many frills as a witch or Stevie Nicks. <laughs> um, but I repeat myself. Um, I, I lost her. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, well, I don't need to go on hormones. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go on. I'm, or I'm going to, I'm going to change my name. Uh, but I, I need to go on hormones, but I definitely don't have bottom dysphoria. And I had extremely severe bottom dysphoria. Um, and it was just like bit, bit by bit. And like, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know like how to be a girl. So I started doing things like I tried to stop cussing because mm. I cuss a lot. And I tried to like talk less um, for a while. Um, which didn't work great for me. <laughs> and I was like, what do, what do women listen to? I guess I'm, I downloaded a bunch of Adele. Because <laughs> I was like, this is what I listen to now. And, uh, and then it was like, no, like back to like St. Vincent and White Stripes and Tom Waits and like the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, it took me a long time to understand that that whatever I do is what a woman does because yes. I'm a woman. Like however I dress, however I talk. Mm. Um, yeah. And there was like a really slow process of comfort. Like I remember when I first came out, I, 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 I had like what I would call like femme flags. Like I had something female on every single part of me, mm. like bracelets on both wrists, like femme rings on fingers, like necklace, like, like a bow, whenever I went into a store, the first thing I would do is put my purse on the counter. Mm-hmm. Just like anything I could do and like like uh, makeup. And after a while, it all just felt like a cage. Like mm-hmm. I, like that, like the, the bow ended up feeling like, I hated it. I hated it by the end, but it was like anything, anything to not get misgendered. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then like that slow increase of comfort and um yeah like the first year was an absolute goddamn nightmare um with like like beautiful moments like my wife got me my first dress and I like put it on and cried for hours Mm -hmm. and hours and hours um but I finally feel like I'm coming up on my year vaginaversary as well um happy happy vaginaversary yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's like, I just feel like my life really just over the last three, four or five months is like, oh, okay, this is what being a person's like, mm-hmm. it is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a general smattering of my coming out. Thank you so much for sharing, Chloe. I, I hope my typing wasn't distracting to you. No, but no, I, I can talk over anything or anyone. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I just, I like, I took, I'm taking notes and I just, I want, just thank you for sharing. And yeah. I can relate to so many things that you're talking about. And I'm so excited to just be able to like dig into this with you. Um, and... Uh, before I move forward, I just want to quickly explain what a dead name is for people listening who don't know. Do you want to explain or do you want me to? No, move forward. um, A dead name typically is a name that you are given at birth um, that you no longer are using um, and you have chosen a name um, that better suits you. So Dubs is my soon-to-be legal name, but I do also have a dead name um, that I don't use anymore. Um, and so I can relate to you in that way. Um, but I can just, I can relate to you in, in these, like, bigger themes and also all these, like, little 
uh, not little, but um, like the different parts of like finding yourself and finding comfort and um, just, uh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> just, well, first of all, I love what you said, like whatever I do is what a woman does. Because I yeah. think that like I, I also was like, for me, it, it felt because um, I know so few genderqueer people that it's like, I don't even know what genderqueer people, like, what do they do? And it's like, you know, and when before I had top surgery, I also had similar thoughts of, well, I'll just, I'm not going to change my name and I'm not going to change my pronouns, but I, I, it's very, very similar progress. And I was like, well, I'm definitely going to change my name, but I'm not going to change my pronouns. And then it was like baby steps into like finding the comfort and finding a, a safe place to land in asserting those things about who you are. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think this is at first you feel, or, or I felt insane. I I remember like my wife helped me put together like a list of evidence that was like, you are a woman because I, in my whole life that was like aggressively stuffed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, where where was I going like that? Yeah, yeah, like like I think. I think the biggest thing I could say to anyone who's having gender feels, um, like if you, if you feel like, if you feel, this is such a weird thing to say, if you feel an enormous amount of doubt around it, um, that's a pretty good sign you're trans or non-binary. Like, I feel like that's integral to the experience. Like, I I don't think most, most, most trans or non-binary people I know, I, I don't feel like knew at a young age. There was confusion. Mm-hmm. confusion was the law um and self-doubt like even when I was going in to get my bottom surgery and my my, my bottom dysphoria that meant I, I I was triggered by my uh genitals like I was having panic attacks every day I would like every fifth time I would take a shower I would just be like like kneeling in the bo- like curled up in the bottom of the bathtub screaming uh, from the emotional pain. And then I went and it was like, wait, what am I doing? Like, is this just ludicrous? And honestly, I just went through the evidence. It's like, well, you've had, like, you've done all this stuff to prepare for it. You've had 15 hours of electrolysis, which is a type of permanent hair removal where they stick a needle into each follicle, zap it several times. Um, and you have to do that to each hair about five times because you have to catch it while they're growing and only about 20% of your hair is growing at any point in time. You have to get rid of the hair because, well, that's my, that's my insides now. And it was, for me, I have a low pain threshold and it was excruciating. I had to drive out of state. I had to rent a car, drive out of state um, to the Papillon Center where they'll actually use lidocaine shots, mm. um, which was also agonizing. It's it's a it long is, needle and yeah. a lot of fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and like I've got like that redhead thing of like I'm resistant to anesthetic and painkillers and have a low pain threshold. Mm. So at one point they gave me three different rounds of lidocaine. The only reason they'd ever do two is because they missed a spot. Mm. They did three and I was still feeling pain and they're like we have literally never heard of this. So it was like all all this evidence and it was like okay well that must be that must be what's like going on. I think I'm probably just dissociating right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so then when you do come out, it is like the baby steps. Cause it's like, no, I don't need that much because what I have learned is that this is a shameful thing and that I'm, I might be crazy. 
and I might be making this up and I'm probably not really trans. I see other trans people. They're, they're really trans, but like not, not like me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it like, after living a life of compromise, I think the compromise starts to fall apart a little bit at a time after you come out. It's hard. Yeah. That's really hard. I, you know, I've had so many of those thoughts of like, am I trans enough? Because I'm not a binary trans person. It's like, well, is that, am I valid trans person? Um, Uh, and it's taken me so long to like, assert yeah i am um that is that is that is i know that is so so hard for for people who don't fit into the binary and that's like any anyone with gender feels is as valid and as trans as anybody else Mm i i am like i feel very binary like i feel very very female and femme but that doesn't make me more trans than anybody even people who like still use their at birth pronouns and names. If they're, they, they're genderqueer, there is trans as me. There aren't like levels. Yeah. There's no criteria, check boxes. Yeah. Um, and anyone who says any otherwise is an absolute monster. Right. And they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. they're, they're literally, they're literally <laughs> terrible. And like trans, transphobic trans people, I, I, hate them more than anyone. Yeah, it's like, how how are you? Yeah. How and why are you like this? Yeah. It's confusing. Um, I also, I'm just going to, when you were, you were talking about you would rather have died than have your shirt off. Yeah. And I had the same feelings, but because I had chest, because I had boobs. And I was like, mm. I, I hated looking in the mirror. I hated being in the shower. But I never really, I never understood why and I also was just like I guess this is like and something else you said um well this is just my life and it's just gonna suck and it's just gonna be bad and I was like I also came to that realization of like well this is it this sucks and I'm so unhappy and it's like I came to terms with it and I was like that's really sad and I'm and then similarly to what you were saying too about like the compromise kind of falling apart it's like I don't want this anymore I can't do this it's not it's like you know there comes a point in time where it's just like you, it becomes too much and it comes too much of a, a, a load to bear. Um, and so I really feel that. Yeah. Because for me, it was not, I didn't come out cause I thought I'd be happy. Mm. I, I literally understood that I would die if I didn't mm. like, I, I, I was a hundred percent positive. I wouldn't be happy, but I yeah. didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want to make my wife a widow. Mm-hmm. Like that was a huge part of me coming out. It was like, this is, this is just survival. I don't think I'll ever be okay, but I do not have a choice. Like there is a bullet coming at me and I can either step out of the way or die. Yeah. I'm glad you stepped out of the way. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, it's just, it's, um, I have more notes that I took and I love the way that you said your femme flags. I've never heard that before, but like all the different things that you were doing to make sure that you weren't getting misgendered and I'm still trying to figure out what my my flags are because it's it's challenging. Like I'm I'm wearing my hat right now, and I used to have a big button on it that had my pronouns, like they, them, theirs, and in hopes that when people would look at me, they would like glance up at my button and then immediately read it and immediately know what that meant, and then I would never be misgendered, and that literally never happened. So I ended up just taking the button off because I was like, it almost was became disappointing that it yeah. wasn't working, and also. Um, I don't know, but I'm, I really am still trying to figure out what can I do 
so people don't misgender me and so I can feel seen more. Yeah. And it's hard. I, I think that is, I think that's very hard. I also think that like, like kind of the more masculine flags are, they tend towards neutrality. Like mm -hmm. what we consider like dressing neutral. Whereas I feel like it's, no matter how femme you look, you can you can make yourself look more femme. Mm -hmm. And that's listen to what drag is, is like super hyperbolic femme. But then I feel like hyperbolic masculine is kind of neutral. Yeah. In 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 a way. Mm -hmm. Uh and I mean that that must be that must be so hard. <laughs> yeah. Like just see me. I just want to be seen. Yeah. That's why I want everyone to just default to they, them pronouns and let, you know, for folks who it's like maybe not like super duper obvious. And even, even, and even that is problematic to say, because I know that there are very femme presenting people who use they, them pronouns and, yeah. you know, and very quote unquote, what we think to be like masculine people also use they, them pronouns. So there's really no, it's just, just use they, them pronouns. Yeah. I, I was, um, at a bar after a show and, I had, there, there was a friend of a friend there and I didn't, I just didn't know their pronouns. It hadn't come up. And I was like, oh yeah, they ordered nachos. And they said, did you just use they referring to me? And I was like, uh, yeah. And they started bawling. Mm. Cause I'm going to start crying right now. Yeah. It was the, it was the <laughs> first time in their life that anyone had referred to them with they pronouns. And, uh, just having your identity reflected in any capacity and what is otherwise like a world that wants to refuse that is so powerful. Like that's it is it's not that trans inclusive language prevents people from being hurt. Although it does even more so it's permission to exist. Mm -hmm. And, and like in a, in a, in a, in a world where the, the pressure that's put on us is like a label of madness seeing that like i i went and saw a uh, a sketch show at the UCB theater on um, on a date and uh it was uh the sketch the sketch team was up i had a couple friends on it but in one of the scenes which was about like like a crappy corporate environment one of the the women on the team stood up and went we have real problems here everyone in management is a white cis man and i'd never heard <laughs> trans inclusive language mm -hmm. and a performance at the theater that I wasn't directly involved in. Mm. And I started crying in the audience because mm -hmm. it was just like, wow, like we're more and more allowed to exist. Yeah. I just want to quickly just say that I'm like riveted. I'm like the, on the edge of my seat, like holding my, <laughs> holding both sides of the the chair i'm i just like i'm ri i'm riveted and i'm so happy to be having this conversation with you yeah me too um yeah just like the language is so important and being seen and i remember um a few years ago i don't know it might have even been five it was before i i don't even remember if i was out as trans yet i'm not sure but i remember my friend said you look so handsome and it was the first time anyone had ever said that to me and I was just like, holy mother of God, like, thank you. I, that's how I feel. And no one's ever said that to me before. And it was like so powerful to like, I'm quivering because I'm crying, but like it was such yeah. 
an incredible moment to like, and so I can imagine how that person at the bar was like, oh my God, you see me. Yeah. I'm not invisible. Like I, it's something I, I do if I know like anyone has any sort of gender feels, I ask them, do you like gendered compliments? Hmm. And if yeah. so, which? And here, here's my thing. I like so. Let's say someone is assigned male at birth, assigned he/him pronouns, and they go like, "Well, I'm cool with he or they." Mm-hmm. I will always use they, yeah, because I know that they will hear that almost nowhere else. Mm-hmm. And I will go out of way if I attract this. It's like it's like, oh, darling, you look beautiful. Like, because that's what that's what they're not hearing. Right. That like they need to hear. Um. It's, it's huge. Like I remember, like, I remember every one of those first, I remember like when I first came out, uh, I think it's like the don't think about pink elephants thing, but a lot of Mm. like men that I knew in my life would be like, Hey man, how are you doing, man? Like they just started saying it more. Or like if I got hugged, they would do the bro hug Mm. where you pat the bat back. Almost no one will pat the back of a woman that they're hugging. Mm. And I had two huge experiences. One was my friend, uh, Matt Rubano, um, mm-hmm. who is an amazing comedian. And he was also the bassist of taking back Sunday. Wow. Cool. Um, and which, which I was like, oh, I don't really know that band. Cause I heard about that before, kind of like, as I was first meeting, I was like, I can just ignore that. And then after <laughs> knowing him for a year, I found out he played bass on the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh my goodness. And I was like, I asked for that for Christmas. Like, <laughs> um, but he's a wonderful dude. And when, and we, had been in so many sketch shows together. And the first time he saw me after I came out, he looked at me differently, came with the warm smile, and he hugged me completely differently than he ever hugged me before. It was just this big, protective, like, it was just how uh, a man would typically hug a woman. Mm -hmm. And it was so amazing. Or like my, uh, my director on my sketch team at the theater, uh, it's a guy named Jim Santangeli, who is an, an amazing man, a, a genius comedian. He's actually the voice of the uh, chef in Red Dead Revolver 2, or Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, and uh, he is so straight. He is so cis. He is the most Italian man ever. And after every rehearsal, he would, we lived pretty close to each other, so he'd drive me back from Manhattan and just like, listen to his talk and then like, and like, let me like vent and cry. And he is the first man in my life. And it was before I changed anything about my parents as he called me beautiful. Hmm. And I will, I will remember that for the rest of my life. Ugh, I can't talk right now. I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is bad for a host. Um, wow. Yeah. Those moments are so, so important and so special. Um, I also want to quickly, just quickly, um, say what cis is. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, just like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, we keep using these terms. I want to make sure that people listening um, who don't know, know what that is. So cis is short for cisgender. Cis is a Latin prefix that just means on the same side. So you, it basically means you identify with the gender identity that you were assigned at birth. Um, and it contrasts the trans experience, which is... You, you disagree ad- with the gender assigned you at birth. Yeah. So there, there you go, everybody, in case you were wondering. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's just wow. I just, it, this is, I'm keeping speechless. So that's that's where we are right now, <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> um, it's so nice to be able to commiserate and just share experiences. And there's so much power in just being able to 
to be able to talk to somebody who has experienced something so similarly, even though our journeys and our identities are different, there's just these underlying themes that are so similar. And yeah. There's, I don't think there's any replacing being around other trans non-binary people because even like, even like the most accepting people in the world, like the people who most understand, like at the, at the extreme end of that is my wife who has been impossibly supportive and has been perfect every step of the way. It, it still doesn't, it still doesn't fulfill that need of being around people who understand without communication. Yeah. Right. Um, yes, that is so true. I was at, um, I work at a queer organization and so I would say the majority of us are queer in some way. Um, and there is just like that unspoken nonverbal communication that goes on among some of the staff that is just that I've never I've never had that in for for this particular identity before. And I we were at a bar and um, so my credit card still has my dead name on it. And so when they take it, I was in Boston and what they did was they just like they took my credit card to like open a tab. And then when my food was ready, they just took the name off the card and then they were calling it across the bar my dead name. And so lots of my colleagues didn't know my dead name and now they did. And it was just so uncomfortable. And I was like, do better bar. Um, but I had a couple of colleagues just kind of send me knowing looks and come over and check in on me to make sure I was okay. And it's like, if you don't know what it feels like to be dead named, or if you don't know that that's even a thing that would be triggering, you can't communicate in that way. So it's like people who have like experienced it knew to immediately check in and it meant the world to me. Yeah, and I think that's a, a hard thing about understanding the trans experiences. I don't think there are analogous situations. Yeah. Um, like I don't I don't think understanding if you wanna understand it entirely, it's not a realistic goal. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't expect people to understand. I, I what I need people to do is listen. Mm-hmm. It's like, so it's like, uh, I don't know why you need this, but you told me you need this, so I will do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then boom, it's like, it's like sometimes like someone will say something that they, they feel is a compliment and I think would otherwise be a compliment, but like for me, it'll be triggering. Like, yeah. um, I've gotten a lot better about my height. I'm five foot 10. Um, people will be like, it's like, I'm so jealous that you're tall. And it's like, actually, it's something that makes me kind of dysphoric. And they're like, no, mm -hmm. tall women are beautiful. And I'm like, I agree. <laughs> tall, tall women are beautiful. Bodies are beautiful. Um, but this is something that makes me dysphoric. And it'll be like, oh, well, I don't think there's anything not feminine about being tall. And it's like, I, I understand all of those things intellectually, but it pings trauma inside of me. Right. And I need so this conversation to it. stop. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, I, I feel like um, I'm going to speak to Bobby. I just like, there's like, you because you've been listening to all of these episodes, there's all of these like really beautiful themes that keep arching through every single podcast of like, just listen, yeah. listen, listen. And with an open heart and an open mind of just, just hear what we have to say and how it's just, it's so beautiful. And it's, it's, uh, I wish that more people would listen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, um, and just and put put aside their own, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna backtrack for a second and like thinking about like the intent versus the impact 
of like, yeah. you know, the person or the people that are, are saying things to us. It's like, well, my intention isn't to hurt your feelings. When I ask you if that's your real name, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I know you're not trying to be an, well, some people are, but yeah. you know, but the impact is real. Like, yeah. yes, it's my real name. Cause that's the name I told you my name is. Yeah. You know, it's like in, intent isn't that important. Mm -hmm. If someone stepped on my foot and broke one of my toes, they'd go, Oh, if, uh, can you imagine the, the absurdity of going, I didn't mean to without removing your foot. <laughs> like it's to remove the foot, either attempt to help or let me take care of it. But I don't care that you didn't mean to. My foot is broken. We can move on from it. I understand it was an accident, but don't step on my foot again. Mm -hmm. Don't argue, don't tell me that a broken toe doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. Like right. we under we understand it with so many other types of of pain. It's like. Yeah, okay, you didn't mean to. You know what? In a lot of ways that makes it more complicated because now I know what like your internal assumptions about like my existence are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you need to change those <laughs> things. You yeah. need to stop breaking my foot. Speaking mm -hmm. of feet, Bobby is wearing the best shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're I keep getting they're like shiny gold amazingness and I keep getting they keep catching the sun and I keep like glimpsing over and I'm like, ooh, yeah. shiny things. Ah, <laughs> uh, the shoes that caught the sun. <laughs> like that's a book. It should yeah, be a book. Oh, wait, is it actually a book or are um, we gonna, I'm gonna write we're it? We're gonna co uh, oh, can we co author it? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Great. This is my moneymaker. <laughs> Fine, you can have it. <laughs> um, can I write the forward? Yeah, that's like a painful nod. It's a pain nod. It's a pain nod, yeah. We'll, say, we'll, we'll try it out. <laughs> okay. It's not going to make it to the final draft. <laughs> sure, write all you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, send it to... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah this is... Um, so you, you, you've mentioned UCB a lot, and... Um, uh, I'm wondering, I have some questions. I didn't even write these down. I just, they're coming to me for me. Like, so are you also an improviser or, or are you more of like a sketch person? Um, I am definitely also an improviser. I feel like the term that I just tend to go with in general is comedian. Mm, Cause like mm -hmm. I just do comedy things. And my big thing right now is, uh, I have a one woman show that just got to run at the theater. It will still be having a run while this is out. It's called never a boy. It's an amazing one woman show. Uh, I've never performed it without crying to some extent. And also, I legitimately believe it is the lewdest show I have seen. It's close with Amanda Zeller's show, um, Pegasus, but I also I also directed her show. Awesome. Um, honestly, honestly, I think with the new draft, I think mine's worse. I think someone will leave the audience during one of the performances. And awesome. I can't wait. Well, I can't wait to see it. I'm it's in, it's in my calendar. Oh, uh, but so. yeah, yeah. Im improv, which actually yeah. I, I stopped doing for kind of like a year and a half, two years after I came out because at first, like I can't play male characters. It gives me a panic attack. Yeah. I feel like I'm being forced back into a cage where I lost so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just like break down. Um, and people on the team I was on, kept on which wasn't at the ucb theater it's at the now defunct reckless theater but these people i love they kept on labeling me as male in mm. scenes and i just stopped because i just couldn't take the pain of that yeah um 
Yeah, and I've, I've come back around. Actually, the last, including the class I'm in now at UCB, the last four classes I've been in, I've not been the only trans or non-binary person in the class, That's which amazing. has been so different. Because when I first came out three years ago, I, there was like nobody else. Um, and then I met, I met you, I met Bloom Davis, and then like a year and a half, two years in, suddenly people are cropping up like en masse. Like there are now a lot of trans non-binary performers. I think even a couple of people on, on house teams who are established, who've come out. Um, and it's like, okay, wow. Now like I'm not alone. Yeah. It's amazing. Such a good feeling to know you're not alone. It yeah. just is like it's amazing. When when you were improvising, um, like before you came out as trans, did you ever um what was your experience? Like in like in hindsight now, like did you play certain characters a certain way yeah. or um in a, in a lot of my comedy in general, I played a lot of emasculated men. I I I love to play like divorced dads, men who'd lost their jobs. Um any any man with any like erectile dysfunction <laughs> like i thought that was so funny mm-hmm. and constantly constantly embodied that and then i feel like the the women i played tended to be like a lot more confident and mm. powerful um like i tended to play i tended towards low status men or i feel like i tend towards hyperbolic status in my characters anyway but like in my one woman show the the, the four characters in it are all super high status Mm. like 10 out of 10 extremely powerful um and very very different from what i made what i made before and i always felt so comfortable playing female characters and i remember on my sketch sketch teams whatever it was it was like let's do a gender flip show let's just do a gender flip show it'd be really fun really fun to play a woman i don't know why (laughs) here's enough (laughs) yeah that's awesome yeah I, i think back to for when i was doing improv i would had similar patterns of when I would step out and play a, like a woman character, I always like put on a voice and like held myself differently because in my, and I only know this now looking back, but like, it's like in high, I was like, the audience isn't going to read me as a woman unless I put on a voice and this way that I'm moving through the scene. So, and then when I would play like masculine or men, male characters, um, I just would be. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? Oh my, I never noticed that. Yeah, whenever I played a male character, I put on a voice. I mean, I also do like a lot of voices, but the only time I would ever use neutral voice is, uh, it was very rare that I played a male character with a neutral voice and very frequently with female characters, I would use a neutral voice. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. And so then now, (laughs) I haven't haven't, um, done much improvising since... I think like I took a break after top surgery, which was three years ago, um, almost to the day. Um, well, Ooh. from today's June twenty second. Oops, that was, that's okay. Um, and I did head on June twenty fourth of twenty sixteen. <sighs> um, and then so it's my it's my Tata anniversary. Yay! Or I guess or my Tata to my Tatas. I guess. Tata to me. And so, but I don't I don't know that I have really improvised much since like here and there. Thank you for coming out. But I don't know. I think there's still, I think I'm still, I don't know. I think I need to explore why I'm not, I think I'm scared. I was at first, I was really excited to like jump back in and see what kinds of like voices or characters I would play, like what that would look like. But I don't know why if I'm scared or if I'm 
triggered or I, I think I know why. Because here was my experience, and it's only one that I've recently been getting over, is that suddenly you're concerned. Like I'm I was constantly scared of getting misgendered. I was scared of what what if people think this character looks male? Because, like, mm. especially in character voices, I tend to go to the lower part of my register, and I'm a low baritone. My voice is... I, I did some vocal training. It's not up to where, like, my training was, which was, like, more up here. I've been keeping much practice with it because I realize I don't so much care for myself. I just more want to be read as female. Yeah. But, like, I have a lot of... I have a lot of care, like, down in this range. And, like, I'm scared about them getting read as male. I was scared about looking female enough. I was scared about my flexibility. And just that, that moment of hesitation... Yeah really affects the improv it's only recently i realized um who was i doing scene with it was in we will slay which is like this huge queer celebratory performance thing at, at ucb and i was just like roaring this other performer and i were just like barking at each other this was i ended up barking at them mm -hmm. like a dog and my character's like fit of rage and it was near the bottom of my register. And I didn't think about it until after the show. And it was like, oh, God, I'm finally playing the characters mm. that I used to be able to play. Like these aggro, like huge. And it's like, I don't think, I think we think of them as masculine, but like hyper aggressive, like super concerned with like butting heads with other, with other characters. Mm -hmm. Um it takes a while to find that voice again. I had the same issue with like writing characters. It was like, I don't know how to write characters that feel correct. Mm -hmm. um, like people are like, oh, your improv must be a lot better now. It's like, no, it's a lot worse. Actually, mm. I was way more confident and safe and like immediate beforehand. And I feel like I'm finally like getting back there. That's great. Yeah. I guess I got to just keep doing it so I can find find that footing again but it, it's this is this conversation is kind of reminding me of like and I don't know if you experienced this but for me I, I kind of like when I when I came out as genderqueer and was kind of like shedding all of the like being raised as a girl things that were attached to me I kind of it was like it almost like went extreme and I was like very anti every binary everything and yeah. and I remember at one point my sister I had I, I forget what we were talking about but she said um, I like being a woman. There's nothing wrong with me being a woman. And like the things that you're saying are invalidating that. And like for me to hear that, first of all, thanks for telling me that because that's so important to hear. Yeah. And then it was an eye opener for me because I, I really was, it was almost like a way of like self-protect or like finding my footing in a certain way and protecting myself. So I was pushing away everything that had caused me harm and thought that it was bad. I don't know if I actually thought it was bad, but do you know what I mean? No, and yeah, then, I, I think you have to. Yeah, and then we're like, and then like finally, like slowly finding, coming back to center. And it's like being a binary gender is beautiful if that's what your gender is. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's like, but it took me a really long time to like undo everything and then redo it. And I'm still, I think I'm still working on it. But yeah, it's, it's hard. And honestly, it's a thing I have heard like, um, like other non binary people say, it's like, it's like, it's like no one is an, is entirely one gender. Like 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 no woman isn't a little bit masculine. I'm like, I'm not masculine. Mm. Nothing about me is masculine. Yeah. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like having that label put on me. Yeah. It's like, are there things about me that like could potentially be labeled that way? 
yeah, but that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm doing. Like when I do play like an aggro detective, that is a woman. That is a woman. And I don't care if like you read my lower voice yeah. as, as male. That's on you. That's not on me. Right. Because mm -hmm. I'm a woman. So my voice is a woman's voice. Yeah. Um, right. It goes back to that. Whatever I do, that's what a woman does because you're a woman. And so, yeah. I mean, that exactly. And I mean, I, I think yeah. that there are other like, like, I mean, I know that there are other women who are like, oh yeah, I do have these masculine sides. And when I do that, that is masculine. And that's like, cool. You get to choose because gender is on one hand, extremely important. Also on one hand, entirely made up. Right. I, I believe that everyone in the world has been hurt by gender. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I don't care how binary it is. I, I've never talked to a person. I've never talked to uh, a, a man who hasn't suffered from the, the requirements of masculinity. And yeah. I've never talked to a woman who hasn't been hurt by the confines of femininity. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, and I'm, I'm specifically, I'm not just meaning trans and non-binary people. Yeah. No, it affects everybody. And just thinking about, um, you know, what is, like, what are our standards and, like, how do we shatter them? And just thinking about, like, you were talking about the register of your voice and the same with my voice is I always get read a certain way because of my voice. Yeah. And it's, like, that's on you to not make those assumptions because there are also cis men who have the same registered voice as me. Yeah. And there are cis women who have deeper voices. And it's, like, we're all who we are, but these things vary, right? And that's why I think, I mean, and also sex assigned at birth is, sex is a social construct also. Yeah. It's like, this. these are just arbitrary things that we're placing and we're like labeling them things, but they don't actually, they're not, they don't mean anything. Yeah, like I don't, I don't have people be like, oh, biologically male or have like a male body. It's like, no, I have a woman's body. My Y chromosome is a woman's genetics. Uh, my cock was a woman's cock. Um, and, 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 uh, Men who went down on me weren't gay for going down on me. Um, I'm female, so I'm biologically female. It's like when when trans-exclusive radical feminists will be like, women who were born as women, it was like, you know what? That still includes me. Right. You dumb bitch. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like, you know, we were, I, when I explain this in my trainings that I do for organizations, like I was raised as a girl, but I've always been genderqueer. I've I always even, been who I am. I even uh, have, have friends who strongly reject the raised as a blank. Oh, really? Oh, wording. I would love to hear more about that. Um, well, it's like, it's like, because there is towards trans women, this whole thing about male socialization. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's like being pushed up. It's like, I wasn't socialized as met like that whole idea is a construct. I was raised being told I was male. Oh my gosh. Can you all see my brains exploded all yeah. over the walls? Like, oh my <laughs> yeah, God. my friend Octavia Leona Koner, who's a sex educator and is such an incredible comedian. She's so new to this and she has no business being as funny as she is. <laughs> she made it on, 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 she hadn't ever done scripted comedy and she made it on Boogie Manja. Like wow. I offered to help her, which is an independent sketch program. It's pretty damn competitive. It's very competitive. And uh, I was like, you should apply. And I was just straight up, you have no chance of getting on a lot of experienced comedians go for this. And then she sent me like the mock-up of her reel, which I helped her a little bit with it. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, she has a chance. And I actually, I direct the team that she's on and she is an absolute menace on stage. But yeah, yeah, no, the, the, because the idea of being socialized as male is so weaponized against trans yeah. women. Yeah. And like the idea that like I had male privilege, I, I, I didn't. 
like I I was offered a seat at the table, but I couldn't sit there. Like there are there are protections to presenting mail, mm-hmm. but I think a whole huge part of privilege is being allowed to be unaware. And I couldn't. Mm. Yes, being allowed to be unaware. I've never I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. <laughs> that is wow. <laughs> Um, that is such a really, that is incredible and that's powerful and that is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love you a whole lot. I love you a whole lot. I'm just like, (laughs) I just, I'm still, I'm, I haven't moved my, I'm still on the edge gripping the the seat handle. So in case everyone's wondering where I, what my body's doing. I have watched a slowly (laughs) spreading joy inside you since, since I was like, you weren't racist. Yeah. It's like, it is, it's mind, it's mind blowing to hear that. And it's really, um, I was told that, but I never, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I was I was told. Yeah, people insisted. They did. They insisted. <laughs> I, I, I talk about this in my stand up, and I've had a lot of conversations with my dad about this. Um, but he he like paid me to get my ears pierced and like keep my hair long because it was so important to him that I was yeah. like a, his little girl. And um, I remember just like I would do it for the money because like who doesn't want a twenty dollar bill? But like was so upset about like having to do these things and then, you know, feeling the disappointment if I didn't do it. And like, would my dad yeah. still love me if I didn't perform in this way that he wants me to? And, um, I hope he doesn't get upset that I'm sharing that, but I, it, I, you know, I talk about it a little bit already, but it is, it's like, it, I was told to be something yeah. that I, but wow. I had, I had feminine mannerisms stomped out of me. Mm-hmm. And it's funny cause like my people didn't really see it coming like I think I think a lot of people was like oh that makes sense I think for for most people I had a few people who knew me it's like oh yeah that makes sense because you used to say like things I, I don't want to I don't want to be a man in comedy um but like for my family it was more surprising and but then a lot of people said like they never saw anything and I was like you don't remember how flamboyantly femme I was in middle school until like you told me not to be or like my dad doesn't remember the conversation where he was like Chloe you can be anything and I use my current name and pronouns all throughout Me too. my life because it it was wrong. We mm-hmm. don't say when the world was flat. We say when we thought the world was flat. Right. Um, uh, oh, wait. And that's not true for <laughs> all trans and binary people, but it certainly is right. for me. Right. And he was like, I don't care what you grow up to be so long as you're happy, but please don't be gay. I don't think I could handle that. Because mm. um, again, femme mannerisms on someone presenting male generally goes to homosexuality Mm -hmm. but there's like a link between gender and sexuality um and it's like yeah and i had all these nervous tics like because i was constantly suppressing the way my body wants to move Mm -hmm. um yeah i can actually sit still now Mm -hmm. i guess they'll be a little toe tappy but it's certainly not how it was yeah yeah, I think too back about just like the way that you're supposed to sit, like sit ladylike. It was like something that I heard a lot growing up. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I want to sit how I'm sitting now, quote unquote, man spreading a little bit, but mindful yeah. of the, the space around me. But, you know, <laughs> I just like, um, it is just so interesting to think about. I and, and this has come up too a couple, you know, in conversations that I've had about raising babies as as like a, as a, not as genderqueer, but just in a space where they can explore for themselves. Yeah. And, 
um, not putting that on them and then letting them determine what their gender is. They're getting the cues from everywhere. Um, why am I saying that? Because, it's because important. Then, right. It's well, cause it's important. It's also, I think because it's less undoing and re-socializing that you'd have to do later. Yeah. Cause like they're just, you're just, you're just being who you are. And of course, whether you're cis or not, like, you, you know, we change because we grow and we learn new things about the world. And, you know, of course, identities evolve regardless of how you identify. But wouldn't it be awesome if we could just, if you could just be who you were from the beginning? Yeah. And also, <laughs> I, I, I went to, uh, actually, I thought I was speaking at a panel. Um, and then I showed up and I was like, wait, it's three hours long. And then I got there, I was like, oh, this is a support group. Mm. Um, and which was great for me because I, for some reason, I had a block against that. I was actually the only binary trans person there, but someone someone was there who was, uh, they were a parent, and they were just like, kids are queer. They were just like, kids are queer. Like, no, no, no one comes out, like, swing hard in the binary. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think, I think it would be more the exception than the rule that someone would end up, I think, being binary. Because, like, why would you? Because, again, no one, no one fits into those boxes without losing part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, because we're, I feel like it's, it's more like, I feel like it's like a hallway where like where we can be connected to all the like the different kinds of identities that we want to, to be. I remember um, when I was thinking about having top surgery, it was kind of like I was at a lipstick lesbian awareness party in the Lower East Side. And um, this was four summers ago now. And I remember being there and just feel, I had a messenger bag over my chest and I remember being in a space that was all lipstick or like very femme presenting lesbians and like I've never there was maybe a two-year period where I identified in that way um but I was there and it was like this like glass shattered moment of like I don't belong here I'm not a lesbian I'm not a woman and it was like this like waterfall of things like oh my gosh my dead name is not my name and my you know I this messenger bag on my body feels so uncomfortable why I hate my chest and like it was like this waterfall of things but I was uh I started talking about this because um, I forget why now. I think it was just thinking um, because there were some moments of me. I'm kind of like jumping back to what you're saying about um, like your cock was a woman's cock. Right. And like thinking about I I just I I jumped. I'm sorry. Like in topics um, of like thinking like, well, this is my body. So shouldn't I just love my chest and whatever identity I land on, it's their gender queer boobs. And it's like, I don't, and I was like really struggling with that. And I had a, I had a, an ex who, cause I also have like some gender dysphoria around my hips. Cause they're like very like feminine hip, uh, whatever they're bigger. Um, yeah. and, uh, and she was like, well, they're your hips. So they're not women's hips. They're your hips. And I was like, yeah. And so I've been, I keep trying to like wrap my brain. So for whatever reason, for my chest, I couldn't, I couldn't connect that. And I was like, I don't care what the fuck they are. They have to get the fuck off my body now, yeah. immediately. But like with my hips, I've been more like, all right, yeah, these are my hips and like I can do whatever, like whatever. Do you, does that, am I making yeah. sense? I, I honestly think that I think that there are things that just happen to be more triggering for us than other things. Cause I, I like my broad shoulders and I know a lot of trans women who 
hate their broad shoulders. Mm. I like wearing things that make, I like, I like wearing, uh, what is it called? Cold, yeah. Like cold shoulder dresses or like shoulderless, like, cause which make your shoulders look broader. Mm. And that's atypical mm. for trans women that I know. Um, but there are other things about which, yeah, I'm, that just make me dysphoric and I work on handling that. I have had better luck pushing back dysphoria or learning to cope with it for the things that I am incapable of changing. Mm. So like, I think if there were no such thing as a vaginoplasty, I would have been able to better make peace with my cock. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if there were like a surgery that made me shorter, I would not be as okay with my height. Mm. Um, because there comes, yeah, like if, if there were, if there were a machine that I could walk into and come out and, and like look a lot more typically cis that like gave me a uterus, like Mm -hmm. if I couldn't get at that machine, it would ruin me, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't exist. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. I wish I could give you my uterus. Yeah. Let's not, let's not have that conversation because okay. it'll make me really dysphoric. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. Great. Yes. Um, Fertility is still a thing that like yeah. I, I struggle with, but it has, mm. it has gotten easier. I think in a large part due to the fact that I can't change. I don't think it's universally. I, I'm, I know that's not universally true for trans and non-binary people that mm-hmm. it's easy to acclimate to things you can't change. Yeah. There was a point in time where I almost thought about going on on hormone replacement therapy Mm -hmm. because it would like redistribute fat on my body and perhaps make my hips feel smaller. Um, And then I was like, well, and I would still be getting misgendered, but I'd be getting misgendered in a way that I think would be less triggering than being called she, her. But then I've been working through trying to I, I don't know I, I'm just trying to still I think I'm still trying to figure that out because like even if I took hormones I wouldn't have to use he him pronouns like and of course not yeah I mean I can do whatever I want but I know a lot of trans um, people who are on t and use they them pronouns yeah it's just it's like I'm still trying to like figure out what what uh what feels right for me I guess and yeah. like you know I've had these like thoughts too of like how and it's so interesting that you brought up the way that, that people hug Mm-hmm. And how it's like very different based on gender, or like I I I personally love like the like hand grabbing and then like one pat on the back. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? No, totally. And like um and that for a long time I was feeling like I'm gonna be read as like a butch lesbian or like you know all these like stereotypes that run through your head, and I was like I I maybe I'd be more comfortable if I was on T and doing that, and then and then I had this like other thought of whatever I do is fine because it's me. Like that is me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it took a really long time and I'm still working on believing that that's true, that no matter how I present or put myself in the world, it's dubs. Yeah. And like, it can be read as, you know, it's a, I don't know. It's like, it's this whole thing where I'm like, I'm not being so articulate, but I think, you know, yeah, I think you're, you're being, okay. you're being articulate. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, but it's just, it's, it's such an interesting thing to think about and, to, to grapple with, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of figuring out to do. I'm going to take a drink from my bottle, and there's going to be ice clinking. Okay. Um, I just took a drink from mine as well. Um, so speaking of hormones, you are mm-hmm. someone who's active on social media, 
and you you live stream your shots. Yeah, I live stream my shot. I take a shot of estrogen uh, every two weeks, and I I like live streaming it for a couple reasons. Uh, one, it just like I don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I'm not geeked out by needles. Um, I don't love. Like, I don't love the shot, although I am generally excited for my hormones because my future, at the end of my hormone cycle, I tend to be pretty, like, I get a little down. Mm. Um, and also, I just want people to see, like, yeah, that's just a thing in my life. Every two weeks, I take a shot. Like, that's part of my experience as a uh, woman on hormone therapy. Mm. Do you have, have you received, what kind, I guess I should frame it this way. What, what kind of, if any, feedback do you receive from the people on your Facebook page? Uh, people people really like it. I, I am, like, compulsively open. Um, like, it doesn't... Uh, it, it, like, the thought of being closed off about a thing is challenging for me because then it, like, makes me feel ashamed about it. Like, when I'm open, it makes me feel safe. Mm-hmm. And people will be like, it's so incredible that you've decided to do that. It's like, it's not a decision. If it were a decision, then it would be, like, brave and powerful. But I was like, no, that's just how I live. That's what That's what makes me feel comfortable and safe and i've gotten positive feedback from it both from like uh trans and non-binary people who feel like it helps being normalized to like cis people who feel like they get to like learn about a thing mm-hmm. to just like friends who want to like talk with me briefly while i'm on there mm-hmm. um i also love attention <laughs> yeah. um I, I don't think there's an i think i'm the attention thirstiest person i know who is aware of it mm. I, and I only know a couple people who are more attention thirsty than I am, and they're not aware of it. Mm. I would say I'm pretty attention thirsty, but I don't like to talk about it, which maybe knocks me down a couple of pegs of like, are you actually? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, I think that if you feel like you are, then you are. Thank you. And that's what, yeah. that, that's what that means. I like love the spotlight. I love talking. I love talking about myself. Yeah, like if I'm doing an <laughs> improv, if I... Uh, a, a mono scene is where everything takes place in the same location and like the stage is just the stage and you stay there. I will almost never leave the stage. Even if I'm not a part of a scene, I'll be like on the side, like eating a bowl of cereal. I've been <laughs> in so many mono scenes ended up where I'm the only person on stage and I'm just like checking my imaginary phone. Cause I think that's hilarious. And also I just want to be on stage. Yeah. That is so uh, real. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think because too, I'm pretty open on social media as well, and um, I have had people say like, "Why are you so open?" and save some stuff for yourself, and you know. Oh. All, and I'm like, I, first of all, you do you, and I like being also open on Facebook because it helps me co- to connect with people and know that I'm not alone. And um, so I I love that. Uh, that you do the same thing because it's, it's so important to connect with people. I can't believe you've gotten negative feedback for that. Yeah. You know what? You, I, I think I have a bit of a different experience than a lot of TNB people because I think I intimidate people because mm. I honestly, since I've come out, I've gotten very combative because mm. I care about how I'm doing and I have like a community, like I want to defend people. Um, and like even out in public, I don't tend to get fucked with because I'm like tall and broad shouldered and I the way I dress, I feel like part of what I enjoy about that is like looking a little intimidating. Um, but yeah, I, I notice that other TNB people, even in very similar situations will catch like more flack on social media. And it's like most of the people who know me know if they push, I'm going to push back a lot harder. Yeah. Uh, heads on pikes. Mm-hmm. 
And T and B is trans and non-binary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, we're just, it's an educational podcast. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I just want to agree with one more thing that you said and then switch gears a little bit with you. Yeah. Um, you, ha- you said you came out to everyone at once on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, like, I also, like, when I came out as gay t- when I was 20, I, that was, like, very slow process because I was really scared to do it. And then when I, after that Lipstick Lesbian Awareness Party, I, like, shouted it from the rooftops. I was like, this is a thing. And I, like, made appointments with people and coffee dates. And I was like, here's something about me. And there's just something really, yeah. I mean, if it, if it's okay that not everyone, like, does it that way. But I, I know that feeling of just, like, here it is. Here I am, and it's like really, it's a exhilarating feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have the next thing we're gonna do um, is a rapid fire, and so I'm just gonna ask you a series of questions, and just answer as quickly as possible to the best of your ability. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, writing or reading? Uh, reading. Acting. No writing. Oh, acting or singing? Uh, acting. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Biking or running? Biking. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Good. Train or plane? Uh, train. Pants or shorts? Shorts. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Pepsi, because Trump drinks Coke. Oh, why did you tell me that? My I'm whole so life so is ruined I'm now. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, for my 21st birthday, my theme was Diet Coke. Yeah. So, I mean, still, still enjoy it. It's delicious. I just... Oh, Okay, night or or day? Uh, Day. And favorite dessert? Ooh. um, uh, A sopa sopa pia from Mario's Chiquita, um, located in the, like, greater Dallas area. Amazing. Yeah, they're soft and cinnamon. You get it with cinnamon ice cream and honey. It's been my favorite since I was a kid. Yum, that sounds amazing. Um, Chloe, this has been incredibly riveting and eye-opening and emotion-evoking and... Uh, chair gripping amazing yeah thank you so much for being here yeah this has been an incredibly beautiful experience and I'm so happy to be on here and I always treasure time that we get to spend together yeah me too so if other people want to to follow you or be in touch with you how how can they do that and when are the dates of your shows oh yeah I um I am Chloe Kozer on Facebook that's Kozer K-O-S-E-R Chloe C-H-L-O-E a lot of people will spell it Chol like at Starbucks I'll get C-H-O-L-E Oh, and my in-laws have accidentally written chol on gifts a lot. Hmm. Um, uh, Chloe P. Koser on uh, Insta. Um, you can you can catch me. I tend to do a lot at the uh, UCB theaters, um, both in, in Hell's Kitchen and uh, at Subculture. Um, other stuff. My one-woman show, Never a Boy. I don't have the specific August dates yet, but it goes up twice a month. Um, it's a show about what it's been like to come out as a, as a woman in my, uh, thirties. Um, it is an extremely personal show. It's an extremely lewd show. Um, I am very proud of it. It's been in the work for a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm trans and I'm queer. So that is so many, so many ally points for you to go. So many (laughs) ally points. Um, anything else? No, the show, the show is the biggest thing I do. Uh, and seriously, coming out helps me a lot because uh, runs at the theater are between six months to a year, and part of what can prolong a run is if it has good attendance. So my whole life has been promotion. Awesome! Yeah, and everyone, come out. I spend I spend about uh, should I burn this? Yeah, 
uh, I spent about two minutes of the show at one point trying to have sex with a whale. Great. Yeah. Excellent. I can't yeah. wait to see it. <laughs> uh, it's the best show in the city. <laughs> I believe it. Um, thank you again, Chloe. You're incredible. Absolutely. My pleasure, Dubs. Okay. Thanks for coming out. Oh, no. Thank you for coming out. And also <laughs> thanks for coming out. <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.